this morning about the topic, I am a tree. Haley told me Wednesday night, she said, man, we need to sing that song, He is a Hurricane, I am a Tree. I said, I'm pulling out a different, I'm pulling out a different verse. She said, ooh. <laughs> I am a tree. I'm, I'm straying away this week from the parables for one week just because uh, that's, what, that's what God led me to do. And so we're going we're gonna to look at Psalms chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3. This is what the word of the Lord says. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Let's pray over the word. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your presence being here this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here because you are the agent that takes and makes things alive into our lives. You are the one who calls our hearts to you. You call our hearts to salvation through Jesus Christ, reconciling us with God. And so, Holy Spirit, there is nothing that we want more than for you to do the many things that your word tells us that you do, that you call us to Jesus, that when we don't know what to pray, that you pray on our behalf. God, even when our heart can't utter the things that you act on our behalf. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you draw our hearts to you this morning. I pray that you help us to get out of this word, this powerful, impactful word. God, I pray that you will help us to get something that will let us be able to walk out and say, I'm a tree. I am a tree. And understand the spiritual implications of that. And so God, I just give you all the praise and all the glory. For you alone are worthy. We pray and believe these things in the name of your Son and our strong Savior, Jesus Christ. And the church together said, Amen. Amen. There's three things that I want to talk about, about trees today. About this tree that we see in Psalms 1, 1 through 3. I want to remind us, he said, Blessed is the man who walks not. That's important. The person who walks not in these other things. But in verse 2, he said, But this man who is blessed is one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And we go, wait a minute. The law, I, I thought that we were set free from the law and we were under grace. We are. We are set free from the law and under grace in the sense that Jesus said he, he didn't come to destroy the law, but that through him the law might be fulfilled. In other words, that, that the implications, the requirements of the law would be completed in Jesus Christ once and for all. That's why we don't have to sacrifice anymore in the sense of these blood sacrifices, but instead the New Testament tells us that we need to surrender our lives as a, as a give ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, you know, which is our reasonable service. So we don't have to do this blood sacrifice anymore, but, but now because that 
that Jesus once and for all paid the price of the law and fulfilled the law, didn't destroy the law, the law still really applies. It's just that Jesus has fulfilled it on our behalf. And so it no longer has the hold on us, and we've been set free from the law of sin and death, and now we pursue after the law of Christ and, and His love. He says, but His delight is in the law of the Lord. Our delight is in even understanding that, that God has this framework and God has the, this set of uh, an, an order to things that when I recognize even that I cannot complete that order, so at that point I, I, I feel failure on my own behalf, honestly, but yet then I can say, thanks be unto God, like Paul said in Romans 7, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And he said, but thanks be unto God, it's Jesus. He's the one that's going to deliver me from this because in this body of death, I can't do this. So I need someone to deliver me. So his delight is in the law of the Lord. He recognizes the order and the structure and the holiness of God. But then also we in the New Testament can look back at this in the Old Testament and can say, but I can rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law on my behalf. On his law, he meditates day and night. We still, we still align ourselves into God's word. And we still find what is there to, to shape and fashion our lives. And because of that, then we get to verse 3 where it says, Then he is like a tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. So it's the three aspects of this tree that I want to talk about. I'm going to be honest with you. There's a fourth one that's there. It's the last one about in all that he does he prospers, but I, I'm not going to talk about that this morning. That's, God didn't put it on my heart to talk about that fourth one. Because there's enough people out there trying to preach prosperity gospel and all that misunderstanding. I would have to address that really as a separate sermon so that we would understand that, that God hasn't aligned any prosperity gospel. And, uh, and we take that and pull it out of context. So we're going to focus on these three aspects of the tree. And that is that it is planted, that it is fruitful, and that it's drought resistant. All right, so I'm going to have a couple of statements about each one of these, these three points that are going to kind of get our thoughts aligned concerning being planted, being fruitful, and being drought resistant. And then we're going to talk about some other scriptures with each one. So here's, here's the first one under planted. That which is planted did not arrive there on its own. That which is planted did not arrive there on its own. Here's the second thought. That which is planted did not choose where it would be planted. That which is planted did not choose where it would be planted. Let's talk about these for just a second. That which is planted did not arrive there on its own. Thank, thank goodness, actually, um, for most of our front yard, we used, to have these, we used to have these big shrubs that ran down the front of the house and they were terrible when you were trying to weed eat and all that because, you know, they were planted like they should be. They were probably about this far off the house. But it was near impossible to get back there with a weed eater or anything because they were those prickly shrubs. So, you know, you're trying to get back into that stuff and you need to about have, you know, rattlesnake gear on in order to try to get in there with a weed eater. And they ran down the whole length on, on both sides. So, so, man, I cut those jokers down. Man. I cut them down, took them to the ground. I said, they're not going to be like a tree. <laughs> so so I cut them I cut them off 
But in other houses that we've lived in, you know, before we had the dogs, you know, we got the two basset hounds and then our one, our rescue dog that we were talking yesterday, he is now actually 12, going on 13 years old, and he got spry after we got the two basset hounds, and, uh, and he, he prances now around the yard. The basset hounds, they're, they're, they're totally different. But Michelle asked me one day, she said, you know, we should plant some stuff in the backyard. And I'm like, really? You know? <laughs> she said, oh, I don't think, you know, I read something that says if you let them have their little path and stuff, then they won't, you know, they won't. No, 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 no. Because we have one basset hound that is anti-basset hound. The other one, it looks like, you know, the hush puppy shoes. You remember had the, had the little tri-colored, tri-colored basset hound? That's what Molly looks like. Homie, homie, because we, we didn't get these dogs when they were, we got them when they were about a year old, and, and the, the folks had named this dog something else, but because, well, anyway. And, and so we shortened the name to homie. And so it's really fun in our neighborhood if I can step out the back door and go, yo, homie! And... <laughs> It's a lot of fun. So, um, but she's a little wild. And so Michelle was like, oh, you know, I want to plant some stuff out there. And, and I'm thinking to myself, man, if we plant some stuff, it will get so torn up. I just might as well take and burn that money. You know, just go ahead and burn it, you know, and, and just. But if I went and got plants like we've done in the past and I walked out to the yard, I can guarantee you that when I have that flat of those plants, no matter how closely I listen, I can guarantee you that those plants they don't tell me, hey, I want you to plant me over by that tree. Or, hey, I would like for you to put me out in the front yard because I would like to be seen. You know, those plants don't tell me that. And quite honestly, I'm not going to go home today and all of a sudden there'll be, you know, two or three flats of plants there on my front lawn that they just kind of made their way there from Lowe's. You know, little guys and they just... Scurried right on up the hill. They don't show up on their own. Stuff that's going to get planted doesn't get to where it's going to be planted on its own. And it doesn't decide where it's going to be planted. He said, the, the man who is blessed and who doesn't sit in the council of all these other things, but who meditates on the Lord, said he is like a tree that will be planted. Guys, we don't get to choose where God plants us. If we're truly yielding to what God's wanting to do in our lives, we don't get to, and you don't get there by yourself. It, it really doesn't matter how good we think we are, how talented we believe we are, what we think we've got going on. You know, you can be all that in a bag of chips. You're still not going to get to where God wants you to be on your own. Now, I find that to be a relief. I find that to be a relief because I always, I, I drive home certain messages with you guys because I think they're so core to our Christian life. But the reason that I find that to be a relief is because then none of us are really better than the others. None of us are really able to say, well, look, I got myself to this point. If wherever you are in your spiritual walk, it is because God has gotten you there. It is because God has taken you and he has decided where to plant you and to place you. And not only that, but I want you to see elsewhere in Psalms, in Psalms 92, this idea of plant, being planted is, is throughout the Scripture. Psalms 92, verses 12 and 13. He says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree, 
and they grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Verse 13 says, They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. Really what I, what I get when I read this scripture... You know, David once said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He said, man, I don't, I don't view, if you want to put it in today's vernacular, he didn't say, man, I, I woke up on Sunday morning and went, ah, oh, we got to get up and get dressed and we got to get to church and all that. And he said, no, I was glad. In fact, I, I, I want to throw this out there because we usually focus on only this part. So I'll go ahead and get that one out of the way. We usually focus on the part where we go, oh, see, you should be glad to go to the house of the Lord. I'll tell you something else we miss in that verse. He says, I was glad when they said unto me. How about that? There was other people that were being encouragement. Him going, hey, brother, we get to show up at God's house today. It wasn't just that he had to get up and say, oh, I'm glad I get to go to God's house. He, he had folks that they, was, they were texting him. I don't know what that text would have been back then. That would have been kind of difficult. I don't know. You know, talk about snail mail. You know. It would have been like a camelgram or something. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, that's for good, wasn't it? A camelgram. They, they, you know, you do a painting and then you send it with a camel. It's like Instagram. It's just not very instant. Camelgram. I should coin that one. Maybe not. It might not be worth a lot. He says, hey, they were encouraging. I was glad when they said it to me. So he says that the ones who are the righteous... They are planted in the house of the Lord. They're planted in God's presence. Because really it's not about a building. It's not about coming to a place. It's not about those things, although we do that. In Hebrews, we see it encourages us to not forsake the assembling together of ourselves as men or some is, especially as we see that day approaching. All that stuff that we usually use to tell people, hey, you ought to come to church. The real deal is you want to get in God's presence. Because you said the righteous, they, they're planted in the house of the Lord in the presence of God. And they flourish. They flourish. See, it's not about... If you, if you wonder and you go, well, man, why is it that I'm going to church, but I'm not growing spiritually? Because church isn't going to do it, guys. I mean, it's great that we come together. And that's, that's part of what we're, we're instructed to do. And we come together as a body of believers. And, and we meet together and we encourage each other. and all. But if we don't get into God's presence as a part of that, if we don't find ourselves, your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We want to be consumed by your presence, not by us, not by the music, not by any but God, by your presence, because we will flourish in the courts of our God. We will flourish when we come into his presence. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God? 
And it's such a powerful. He says, he says, look, Paul says, as, as the one who has helped establish and is who is overseeing, you know, as your overseer, as your pastor, whatever you want to call him in this process, he says, I bow my knees before God. The God through whom, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And this is what I pray. He said, I pray that out of the riches of his glory, out of the riches of his glory, that he will give to you so that you'll be strengthened with power through his spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. In your inner being. Because look, I, I, my cousin posted, I, I actually shared this earlier this week. My cousin posted, he, he leads worship at Victory um, uh, there on the side of the interstate in Pell City. He posted, he said, he, said, I, he told his, his worship team last week before their service, he said, guys, you never know but what someone is walking into our church today who is, they're, they're, they've decided this is my one last time that I'm going to give God a chance. One last time. I'm going to give God a chance. I'm looking for hope. He said, remember that when we stand up here today. This may be someone walks in and says, this is my last time if, if, I, don't, if I don't find God this time. And he said the reason this stuck in his heart was because that this week, a guy that he just happened to be friends with on Facebook, doesn't really know him, said, said this week he found out that he had committed suicide. And he said, I, I watched as I saw people posting on his Facebook page saying, you know, we were friends and I wish he would have told me, I wish he would have said something. And he said, guys, recognize this, that sometimes... And I'm going to put it in for the, the vernacular for this message. In the inner man, people are struggling with things that doesn't show on the outer man. Sometimes people put in on a smile and, and they're trying because they think that's what everybody expects. I'm supposed to look happy. I'm supposed to. You say, wait a minute. Now how, does that, how does that play out with the joy of the Lord is our strength and all that? And... Man, I, the joy of the Lord is our strength, but yet we still go through the difficult times. I mean, the, the Psalms tells us we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Paul tells them here, he says, I pray that God through His Spirit is going to grant you to be strengthened with power in your inner being. Why? He said, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Remember we talked here back when we did our faith, hope, and love that faith was that, that thing. It, it's the faith. It's not just, it's not hope. It's what you believe. It's what you know. He says, like, that Christ is going to dwell in your hearts through what you know. And that you will be rooted and grounded in love. So I was thinking about this tree. Being rooted, grounded, in love. Well, what flashed into my mind was, that God tells us in his word that he is love. So my mind says, all right, so God is love, and Paul is praying that you will be rooted and grounded in love. And I thought, man, what better thing for us to be rooted and grounded in than into God himself, into the very essence of God. We need to be rooted and grounded into this. This love that encompasses all these things, encompasses agape love, phileo love, all this other stuff, because God is love. That we would be rooted and grounded in love. 
You know, it, it's one of the things that I realized is most of our troubles that occur in relationships, most of our troubles that occur in church splits, all kind of stuff, really gets back to people not operating on all fronts in love. And it's difficult if only one party is operating in love and the other party is not. But we as believers are supposed to be rooted and grounded in love. We're supposed to be planted into love, planted even into God himself. Why? Because verse 18 then said, because here's what will happen. Because then you will have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. Now, he said you're going to be able to understand this. And then he turns around and says, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. <laughs> that, that was super interesting. He says, look, I, I want you to be able to comprehend this thing that surpasses knowledge. <laughs> but yet he said it's going to happen through the Spirit that's going to strengthen you in your inner being. And you're going you're to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You know why? Because even when we begin to, at our levels, to comprehend, I, I, I really don't think we're, we're in the, our finite minds are ever going to be able to, to wrap our, our true understanding around the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of who God is. I just don't. It's, if, we, if we could, I almost think that he wouldn't be God. Because if we could comprehend him, it would mean that our finite minds were capable of fully understanding something that he wouldn't be infinite. He, he couldn't be of the grandeur and the, and the greatness that he is if we truly could fully comprehend. But our comprehension grows. And it grows because when you get planted and you put down root into something then that, that root begins to nourish and it begins and you begin to grow and you begin to expand. And so our understanding of the love of Christ, oh, love of God, how rich, how pure, how marvelous. It will forever endear the saints and angels' songs. Oh, love of God. For us to truly get ourselves tapped into understanding a God who could see us. I, I was sharing with my dad, it was his 74th birthday yesterday, and, and we were all sitting around the table and, and eating dinner, and, and I made the statement about it. I said, you know, it reminds me of when we read the scripture where he says that, that God demonstrated his love toward us, and that even while we were yet in sin. He demonstrated his love in that while we were in a state, and you go, wait a minute, Jesus didn't die while I've been alive. That's right, but time really ha time has no hold on God. So it's the right now, the, the, the future, the past. The, it's all the same to him. That's one of those things we can't wrap our heads around. You know, it's all right. And so in the middle of all of that, he could see what we were. He could see our rejection of him. He could see as he was willing to sacrificially love us, sacrificially give to us, sacrificially pay the price so that we could have a relationship that we were wanting to reject. And then he turns and he uses his spirit to awaken us and to quicken us and to draw us to him. So even while we were yet in sin, a love that could say, while you are pushing me away, 
I'm still going to do this magnificent thing to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7 says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. He, he does an interesting thing. He swaps from you being able to walk to in verse 7, he says, that you will be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. There we are again. He says, I pray that you are going to be rooted and built up in Christ. Rooted, planted. You don't grow roots into something if you're not planted into it. And quite honestly, if you, know, if you take a plant and you go out here and you, uh, you decide, well, we're going to plant that thing over here. So, so you walk to this end of the stage and we had, some, we had some potting soil here. And so you pot it, you, you pot it. There you go. You plant it. You plant it here. And next Sunday, you come in and you go, well, you know, I, I kind of don't like it being down there. So you, so you dig it all up and you take it out of that soil and you go, well, you know what, we want to we plant it down here. So you move it over here and you plant it down here. And then the next week, you say, well, you know, I, I don't know if I like it. I'm going to take it and plant it at home. And you just keep moving. Well, it can't ever get roots into one thing because you just keep moving it. We're supposed to be rooted and built up in Christ. Can't be moving. Can't be changing. You gotta get, you gotta put down roots. You don't get there by yourself. You don't get to choose where you're supposed to be planted. You're planted in Christ, and then Christ is gonna go. You get that visual. Sometimes I think we think, well, I'm planted in this church, or well, I'm planted in this, or I'm planted. No, you need to be planted in Christ. And then Christ is going to decide where you ought to be at any given time. You just stay planted in Christ. And then you won't move when you're not supposed to move. You won't go when you're not supposed to go. Moses said that one time. Remember, he said, he said God, you've got to go with us. We're not going to move from this place because if we move and you don't go with us, then we're going we're gonna to fail. Get planted in Christ. And then God will take care of where you need to be in the body. God will take care of where you need to be in your job. God will take care of where you need to be in your family. How all that stuff needs to happen. Just stay rooted in Christ. Be planted in Him. Second aspect about that tree is it was fruitful. That which is fruitful is fed and nourished by something else. It's not fed and nourished out of itself. Because it's planted and it's put down roots, it's being fed by what it's planted in. Sometimes the reason... That your spiritual life is so malnourished and the reason it's full of so much junk is because you planted in the wrong thing. And you're drawing off that resource of what you're planted in and you are just bringing stuff in that is bad. It's just bad. But when you get planted into Christ, then you'll only draw in what you're supposed to be. But that which is fruitful is not fed and nourished by itself, but by something else. That which is fruitful does not consume its own fruit. <laughs> okay. This one's a good one. <laughs> I started thinking about this because I was going, well, God. I remember my, my granddad had, he had a couple of apple trees and he had a peach tree. Uh, the peach tree was one of the only times that my granddad ever got after me pretty hard. Was, uh, was because that peach tree 
in their yard, it kind of it kind of grew like this. I mean, literally, it kind of did a. It was like a mustache, you know, kind of had that mustache shape. And that was one of the few things, you know, uh, over the years, you know, I started ending up with some broomsticks out there, you know, holding up limbs on peach trees. Man, it might make great peaches. It was good. I mean, big size peaches. Well, I, you know, I, I climbed it one day. And, I, well, I mean, I was a lot smaller then. Why did y'all say that like that? <laughs> y'all act like it was some. You know, oh, my word. <laughs> easy. Easy. That was just fruitful. <laughs> Don't do it. That which is fruitful does not consume its own fruit. Well, I was thinking about those trees in my, in my granddad's yard. And, uh, and this is what I started thinking about was, I said, wait a minute, there are times, there may be times where a tree actually consumes its own fruit. Because if uh, apples end up on the ground and, and they rot, and then they go back into the soil. You know what that made me realize, though? That was not God's plan. He did not want that tree to just bear fruit for it to fall to the ground and waste away. But instead, you want people to come get that fruit and be fed by it. You want them to take and then you can get the seeds out of that. You don't need the seed falling underneath the tree where there's already a tree. You need the seed to go somewhere where there's not a tree so that it can bear fruit. See, fruitful things don't consume their own fruit because the fruit needs to go out to nourish something else. And the interesting thing is that fruit is not really designed to nourish the tree. It's designed to nourish a different type of entity. Then I started thinking, man, the fruit that comes out of the Christian's life is really not necessarily intended to nourish us. It's to nourish another entity. What? Those who don't yet believe. Faith and love and temperance and self-control, all those things that provide the witness so that now you can go out and they can consume that fruit and the seed then gets transferred. That was just fruitful doesn't consume its own fruit. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Here it is again. He's praying for another church. He's praying for another group of people. So from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with... Wait a minute. Here he is again with this knowledge thing. Here he is, God again saying, I want you to know. I want you to know something. He says, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? Why do you need that? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Listen to that. He says, we prayed that you would have the knowledge of His will. Be filled up with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? So that you'll walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, in a manner that's fully pleasing to Him, and that you will do something. He doesn't say so that you will bear as if it's a one-time thing, but He gives this progressive statement, bearing fruit. You won't do it one time, you won't do it for a little while, but you will be continuously bearing fruit in every good work. Flash back to Psalms 1, 1 through 3. That tree then, he said, that you would, it would yield its fruit in season. It would, it would, every time the season comes around where that fruit ought to be coming, this tree ought to be bearing it. He says here, I'm praying that you will be bearing fruit in every good work. Not some good works. Not a couple of good works. 
Not, well, the good works that seem to fit with my life and the things that I like and that I enjoy doing. He says, I'm wanting you to be bearing fruit in every good work. Man, that is a goal. That's a goal right there. Because I'm going to... I honestly can't imagine myself truly achieving where that I'm bearing fruit in every good work. I, I, I really, because I, I just know the struggles of humanity. Even, even with God empowering, I know the struggles of what happens inside of me. But yet that has to become my goal. That has to become what I see as that's where I need to be pressing toward is that in every good work, God, that I would be fruitful. I, I, God, I, you know, I, I don't want to be sitting here looking at my life and going, well, you know, I really just don't bear fruit in, in that area of my life. Well, if I see that, then I've got to be pursuing, because here's why. If I'm tapped into Jesus Christ, if that is what I'm rooted into, then it is not that I am unable to bear the fruit. Because he's going to provide the nourishment so that I can bear fruit in every good work. It's really going to be whether or not I'm just resistant to what God is trying to feed into me. The third thing about that tree was that it was drought resistant. That which is drought resistant does not wilt under pressure. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. That which is drought resistant shows constant evidence of potential fruitfulness. I want, you to, I want you to get that part, of potential fruitfulness. This is the passage, this is where this is coming out of in Psalms 1. It's when he says that the leaf does not wilt. All right, But keep in mind that what he said about fruit was that you will bear fruit in season. Okay? I, I, that's, that's very important in that because he's not actually saying it's going to have... It's going to have apples on it year-round. All right? That's actually not what that verse is saying. It says that in the right season, it's going to bear fruit. Because I'm going to tell you this. There are times where you go through seasons in your life where the fruit gets difficult to produce. Because you are, as a tree, you're existing. You're, you're maintaining. You're sustaining. But here's the interesting thing that he said. He said, but in the middle of that, the leaf doesn't wilt. He says, in the spiritual life, you don't see, you shouldn't walk into a church. If, you could, if we could all see with spiritual horticultural eyes to see trees and stuff, if we could spiritually see that, you shouldn't walk into a church of established believers and see trees with no leaves, and some trees with leaves, and some trees with leaves and fruit. What you should just see is trees that all at least have leaves, and then some trees are going to have fruit because maybe it's their season at that point for them to be bringing out of their life what is supposed to be there. But all trees should have leaves because the leaf is not supposed to wilt. Okay, leaf talking sounds great. What does that really mean? Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness, 
in an uninhabited, salty land. Now, I just want to stop for just a second. He says, when you put your trust in what you can do and what other people can do for you in mankind, he says, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to live a life that is stunted. You're going to live a life that's barren. You're going to live a life that it, it's like living in a, a salty wasteland. Because you're not going to be getting, because you're not planted into the right thing. You're planted in the desert. Because I'm going to be honest with you, look, you don't need to rely on me. You don't need to rely on any pastor. I don't care. You can cut the TV on. I don't care if they've been pastoring for 40 years near the grandest thing you've ever seen on the face of the earth. Man, don't put your trust in them. Why? Because we're all human. We're not infallible. We're not the people that Jesus Christ is the one that's going to sustain you. Look, there are people who are going to let you down. You, you may hit a situation and somebody doesn't come through the way you think they should. They're not there for you. Man, don't, don't get all mad at them. Place your trust in God because he's the one that's going to never fail you, that's never going to leave you, that's going to stay with you. He's not going to forsake you. He'll be closer than a brother. He'll walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. His rod and staff, they'll comfort you. So he says, these people, are they're cursed. They become like stunted shrubs in the desert. They don't have any hope. They live in a barren wilderness. Wow. But what about the other folks? But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. What are they like? They are like trees. Wait a minute. This is like Psalms 1. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. <laughs> wow. So we've got, we've got God inspiring the psalmist to say that those who don't walk in the counsel of all these other things, but they trust in God, they're going to be like a tree planted by the streams of water who yield their fruit in due season, that leaf, their leaf never withers, and in all they do, they're going to prosper. Then we get a prophet, Jeremiah, who then says, these people who have put their trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence, they're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. I said, this, this is New Living Translation, and I like it because it's so plain. Such trees are not bothered by the heat. They're not worried. Listen to that. They're not bothered by the heat, and they're not worried by the long months of drought. Now, here's what's powerful about this statement. He says, look, there's going to be heat and there's going to be drought. I can't stand it when, when Christian folks try to act like there's not going to be difficult times. They're going to try to act like there's not going to be heat. There's not going to be times of drought where you're like, man, it seems like everything around me is drying up. I mean, that's what a drought is. There's no water. There's no rain. There's no... But when you're tapped in deep... When I was a kid, I had to do a, uh, I had to do a project one time, and I did, a, I did a project, and I built this thing of a kiva, which is an, an Indian dwelling. It would, it's under, underground. They dig in and go underground. And I found it very interesting because it got contrasted with things like root cellars that our, maybe our great-grandparents or great-grandparents had. And... It flashed into my mind. You know, God just kind of builds some stuff in your mind over time. We were, we were sitting watching a show of people in Alaska here uh, recently, and they were going to dig a root cellar because they needed to. They ne and it was frozen tundra, and they were concerned they weren't going to be able to get this done even with equipment. But they started talking about 
why they were going to do this. And it reminded me, I flashed all the way back to being a kid and, and studying out about those kivas and then all through root cellars that our great-grandparents had. Because once you get to a certain point of depth into the earth, there's a constant temperature. It, it doesn't get super crazy cold. It doesn't warm. Even what's happening up here on the surface, the, it turns into, you can, you can keep stuff and keep it from spoiling down there because it'll maintain a fairly constant temperature. When I thought about that, I, I thought, man, when I was reading this, I said, God, when we tap in deep enough into you, when we finally tap in deep enough to you, we reach that level of consistency. We reach that point where the heat may be flying around up here, and we know it's there because the roots are down there, but the tree's up here on top. The tree is experiencing and feeling the heat. We can know it's there, but yet because of what it's rooted into and the depth, he says, the, the heat, even though it's happening and I recognize it, but yet I still re remain sustained. Because what I'm tapped into is still feeding me. Even when everything that's on the surface dries up and goes away, that which is down deep, that shallow-rooted stuff doesn't get into. They don't ever even tap into it. They don't ever experience it. They don't know what it's like to be sustained by that because the roots are so shallow that when everything starts to dry up, it dies. But that tap root, it runs way down deep. Spiritually, that which we just get deeper and deeper being, being plugged into Jesus Christ. And yes, the heat's going and the drought's happening. And it's hot, but my leaf's not withering. And I still remain fruitful. And I, I often refer to this verse, it just God always pops it back into my head. I, I thought, there's a time when somebody's going to ask you about the hope that's in you. Because they're seeing that everything ought to be dried up around you. They're seeing that everything, they feel the heat too. They are experiencing the drought. And they go, hey, how come, how come your life is still... You know, Jesus had this happen one time. It's a great example. Jesus and the disciples are walking along. And from a distance, by the way, he sees a fig tree, a fig bush. And, and it has a lot of leaves on it. And they get up to it and it has no fruit. But it was the season that it should have had fruit. Jesus says, I'm going to curse this tree. And, and there's actually, there's an account where they say, whoa, 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 wait, 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 let us, can we have an opportunity to, to maybe kind of feed it or whatever? And, and then let's see, well, so they go away, they come back again. <laughs> tree, tree's going to go, man. Yeah. You know why? Because he says, hey, Side note, this one's free. There's a lot of people that have evidence in their lives. They got leaves, they got spiritual leaves in their lives. They just don't ever bear any fruit. Jesus identified through that little simple process. He said, hey, I'm not feeding you in order for you to have great bushy limbs with leaves on it. I am feeding you for you to produce fruit. It is my Father's will that you would bear much fruit. And he said, and if you're just going to run around here wanting to have, oh, look how God's blessing me, but you ain't blessing anybody else. You're not getting involved with anybody. Uh-uh. That is not God's plan. But he says here, such trees are not bothered by the heat. They're not worried. They stay green. They don't stop producing fruit. Here's the deal. If difficult times cause us to lose our leaf or stop bearing fruit, then one of two things is happening. Either our roots are shallow 
or we're refusing nourishment. I understand it's easy to say. But he said twice. We've seen it in two different places in Scripture. He says, hey, if you have put your confidence into God, then you will be like a tree planted along a riverbank with roots that go deep. You'll not be bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Your leaves will stay green and you won't stop producing fruit. So either we're not, our roots have not gone deep enough and we need to change that or we're refusing the nourishment that God is trying to give to sustain us. Here's reality for me and then I hope for you. I want to be like a tree. I want to be planted with deep roots. I want God to move me toward being fruitful in every good work and I pray that when the times of drought come, because they will come. Let's not act like they won't come. They will come. But yet his word says that in the middle of it that we can be sustained. That we cannot be worried by the heat. That we cannot be worried by the long months of drought. But the leaf doesn't have to wither. We don't have to stop producing fruit. I want to end with this scripture, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. Listen to that. He says, hey, you know, the, the, the ashes were when they would go through a great time of, of mourning and they would put ashes on their head and, and tear their clothes. And he says, but I'm going to give you a crown of beauty for the ashes that you've been pouring on your head. A joyous blessing instead of the mourning. But recognize he's saying you've been going through that. You've been going through the mourning. You've been going through the time of putting ashes, but I'm going to swap that out for you. I'm going to give you a crown of beauty and a joyous blessing. I'm going to give you festive praise instead of despair. Look, festive praise is not I'm just, I just got to go ahead and give it to you. Festive praise is not, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just going to tell you, that's not festive praise. That is praise. That's not festive praise. I'm sorry. You know, I'll be, I'll be up there sometimes, and these guys, it was there this morning, man. We can feel it all the way from practice. And uh, if I could jump around, I'm not there yet, but get fit pastor, you know, hashtag get fit pastor. <laughs> It's going to be where I can, I can do the hop. I'm going to be able to do the hop without worrying what's going to happen with the guitar. And, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Y'all got that visual. But look, that's some festive praise. I don't care if you've got to be alone in your house. I'm not talking about you've got to run around the church and all that stuff. Got, God's going to move on people different. But I'm telling you, when he says, I'm going to give you festive praise instead of despair, despair is the far extreme. You're not just worried. You're not just, you are in despair. You're going, God, I don't, it's not going to happen. Nothing can change. And he says, I'm going to flip that all the way around. And I'm going to give you festive praise. I, 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 you may be walking around your house. I, Lord, just send us something. She fired up. She's giving some festive praise even in prayer time. Look, man, I don't care if you've got to be alone in your house or whatever. But I'm telling you, God wants to take you out of, because you don't have a problem displaying your despair. You don't have a problem when you're sitting there and you'll come moping up into church. You'll mope wherever you go. You'll, you'll, it, it's on you. And I understand, man, it gets on us. He says, but I want to take that and I want to turn that away to you having festive praise. 
I want you to be able to sit in that situation and say, thank you, Jesus, because I know you're going to see me through. God, I, I, I believe in who you are. I believe in what you've said. I don't care how you got to get there. God, your festive praise is going to be different than somebody else's. But I just know what he said right here. He says, hey, I'm going to give you festive praise instead of despair. And here's what's going to happen. In your righteousness, I'm making it personal, you will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. You are going to be like one that God himself planted because that which is planted does not get there on its own. That which is planted does not choose where it's going to be planted. It ends up there because somebody decides. The one who has the power, the ability, the authority to plant it has decided where he wants to take you, where he wants to plant you. He wants to plant you in Christ. He doesn't say you're going to be some little old tree, you're going to be some shrub, you're going to be some bush, you know, that's just, you know, about two feet tall. He says they will be in their righteousness. They'll be like great oaks that the Lord has planted. For what? For his own glory. Let's pray. Let me be like a tree planted by the rivers of water.